Hello and welcome to the Last Word Podcast. I'm your host, bad motherfucker named Gino, lazy motherfucker named Gino, just motherfucking Gino. Glad to be here, you guys. I uh, I feel a little high, if I'm being honest. I got high on Sunday with edibles, two different kinds of edibles, and I got to that point where I was getting like anxiety high, which kind of sucks because I was at work and... I I guess I've learned to work at places that I really enjoy working at. And there was this incredible band. God damn, I forgot the name, but it was like something something in the time machine or some shit like that. But it was just this awesome, like, uh, 1960s style, psychedelic, screaming guitar solos. Just like my kind of shit, right? And I was so high. I was just like not able to enjoy the moment (laughs) but it was cool i don't know because it was a long ass shift at work and they've been calling me in earlier so yesterday so i I really didn't get much sleep because i woke up for no reason i get home on sunday nights or monday mornings whatever at like three four in the morning i don't get to bed until easily five i think i passed out at four that morning and i woke up at nine right so that's like really not much sleep at all And I just stayed awake. So I'm just like, usually when that happens, I'll just get high because I'm like, all right, well, my brain's not going to function right anyway. I might as well enjoy this, right? But I got too high. I got too high again. And I got so high that when I finally went to my other job, which is kind of sort of like, it's almost a job, right? I work at the Hollywood Comedy just hosting for a couple of hours. And I wouldn't make anything that you would call a wage. I mean, I technically get paid, but... um, like, I don't think I would ever make nine more than nine bucks an hour, which is well below the current minimum wage. At any rate, I get to a point... Smoking does a different thing to me than edibles does. And when I smoke... This happened to me last week, too, so I really have to, like, watch it, you know? Just, just with my everyday life. Because you gotta be 100% you. You're gonna make it in any kind of a game, in any kind of competitive arena, which stand-up is, stand-up comedy is. You gotta be on top of your game all the time. And uh, I essentially had an audition last Tuesday. Uh, there's there's a weekly show on Tuesdays uh, that Adam Hunter puts on. Adam Hunter is he's a working comedian. I mean, he's not the best comedian in the world or whatever, but he's a working comedian and he's got a good solid show every Tuesday at the Dime in L.A. And that's right where I hang out. It's right off of Melrose and Fairfax. And uh, so I, I finally got booked there again. I got booked there last year, and then Adam wasn't there, so he couldn't see me or whatever. And I had a pretty good set. And I had a pretty good set last week, too. But I could have had an amazing set. And see, what the problem was, with the weed in my system, the nerves got the best of me, and I started stepping on my words. And that's kind of something that happens whenever I smoke. I have such a low tolerance for weed type of drugs that uh, like I really only smoke a tiny bit. Like, really? me by myself an eighth can last me maybe a year an eighth of weed can last me a year and if you're any kind of weed smoker you'll probably be like an eighth last me a week or an eighth last me a month an eighth can last me probably a year and i'll be high every fucking time because i really just smoke a tiny bit and it's not because i haven't smoked that much i've smoked a lot in my life i've been like a straight up pothead but my tolerance has just always been low. I don't know. I think it's because I'm already a very chill person. So I'm kind of already, I think I really am just like kind of high most of the time. I, I think I'm just like in my head a lot of the time. And that's kind of the effect of being high. So I kind of have the effect that being high gives you. I don't know, man. I don't know the fucking science behind it. I have low tolerance. I have a low tolerance. That's all it is. 
So anyway, I have to be careful with that shit. So I was kind of like, I was making it part of the comedy, but like, it's not something that should happen yesterday. So I was like, oh, I was residually high. I was just kind of like leaning into it. I was residually high, but I can't just be like the high comic up there because that's not me. And that's not what I want to be known as, even though it's a reality that I've lived with my entire life where people just kind of constantly think I'm high or angry or just some other thing that I'm not. I'm usually just very chill and content. And people generally think I'm very high, sad, or angry. And when I am actually sad or angry, I think I probably put some like really shitty vibes out there probably because like I'm <laughs> because people already think I'm halfway there. Um so yeah, I guess I guess yeah, I mean I guess the the battle with addiction is a lifelong one and mine isn't such that I'm so entrenched in weed because like this is how it started. Just Sunday I was really feeling stressed out, just really stressed out. Uh if you've been paying attention to the episodes leading up to this, you know that I'm working on a pilot. And really, like, I originally tried to get just pull a little team together, and it quickly dissolved. I mean, not not really. Okay, I attempted to pull a team together to kind of, kind of lead me through it, walk me through it, teach me how to do it. Right. I was advised to get a producer, and I did. And I tried to pull a couple of writing partners to the table, and I I had a table read and everything, and they. They pretty much told me the script was already good, and they really didn't know what to do to make it better. And I don't know if they were just lazy or I don't know, like because really I'm looking at it again, and I'm like it could use a little more. But anyway, I attempted to pull a team together of people who have already done this before to lead me through the process, so that I could just kind of learn how to do it and be able to do it by myself in the future. And that team quickly dissolved, so I've really just had to produce it myself and pull. So I. I don't know how to say this,、uh, how to articulate this. I tried to pull a team together of people who have done it before, kind of people above me, right? Who would walk me through the process. But now I've just had to kind of like learn the process and do the process myself. I still have a team, but they're not doing it for me. I guess is what I'm saying.、Uh, I'm very much doing most of it myself: the location scouting,、uh, the running of auditions, the、um, the writing, of course. And the all the logistical stuff, and、uh, and also all the the budget, like trying to stay within budget, is really tough because you just really want this to be a top notch production, you know. So anyway, what I'm saying is I was I was I was feeling very stressed out on Sunday, and so I have these edibles that have CBD in them, and I really just take like a little bit. I take like five milligrams. I'm gone. I can still drive, maybe. But like I'm pretty high. I took like a half of that. It was like two and a half milligrams, THC CBD. It's a one to one ratio. Two and a half milligrams of CBD. Two half two and a half milligrams of THC. And I was pretty high, and、uh, I felt really good. And then I went to do a show in downtown Los Angeles at the Lexington. If you know the, the LA open mic scene, the show at the Lexington is kind of like jury duty. Like it's just this thing that you kind of drag your feet, you trudge over and do it. Sometimes it's a good networking opportunity. Sometimes there will be some good working comics over there you get to hang out with. It can be a good time. It's what you make it, you know. And so there were lots of weed vendors there this Sunday, lots of weed vendors, and、uh, and then I saw some vendors that I recognized from another show on the other side of town, and they're they're just really a really sweet couple that do these edibles and just enough, just enough. 
THC milligrams and the edibles. They're 10 milligrams per edible so you can enjoy the edible. I'm like, I do two and a half. So I bought a muffin from them just because like, and also the price is really good too. It's like seven bucks for a muffin that'll get you super high. It's a little unheard of. But anyway, so then, I, then I'm super high. I'm super high at work. And I was so high, which is a good thing that I passed out earlier than I normally would that night, but I also woke up super early and I, I smoked and and I'm still high today. That's that's my long-winded way of saying I still feel kind of high. I'm very caffeinated. Uh, I had breakfast just now. It's <laughs> I had breakfast just now, just, just to give you a scope of my life. It is currently, oh, I can't even look at the clock on this thing. It is currently, God damn it! it's like 2 in the afternoon or something like that. What time is it? It's 2 in the afternoon. Why won't my phone tell me the fucking time? God damn it. You have like two main jobs, phone. One of them is telling me the time. <laughs> anyway, it's like 2 p.m. And uh, I just finished breakfast and my coffee. Oh my God, it's almost 3 p.m. God damn it, why did I look? Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, those, that's how my days usually look like. I go to sleep really late. I think I went to sleep at five this morning. I woke up at 1 PM. Uh, I think I, I communicated. I, I'll usually like right as soon as I wake up, I'll usually either do like a little workout or, uh, go and like check my phone and answer any messages I have and stuff. And then I'll get distracted and like stay on Instagram for like an extra half hour, which is what happened today. And I've also been trying to like accumulate karma on Reddit, which is something that fucking annoys the shit out of me. But I'm told that the things I post would probably perform better on Reddit than they do on TikTok or Instagram. So fine, I'll give it a shot, you know, whatever, whatever to gain the traction. But I'm really hoping the pilot will do the thing because that's my I don't know if I've explained it this way before, but. Um, in school, right? In like high school, middle school, I was a horrible student. Ghastly. Ghastly. <laughs> I was bad. I was a bad student. But I was really great. I was, I was a smart kid. I would do great on tests. And I would do great on big projects. But you just could not get me to do homework, to do day-to-day -day homework. And uh, a lot of people got really great grades who never learned anything at all because they just did homework every day. But they never learned. I, they never learned any of the shit. They used to ask me, you know, like I used to tutor people sometimes, you know, not a lot of people, but sometimes. And they would get good grades because I've also, I don't know, I've, I've had, a, 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 I think, a preternatural understanding of just other people of the human mind, you know what I mean? And I think that's maybe really what I learned in school is how to deal with people also being a drug dealer and just understanding like the social dynamic because I started out as a dork and I ended up popular or whatever. And, um, anyway, so in life, in standup comedy, like, yeah, I just, just in life in general, like I'm a really big believer in a quality product, right? That would be the big projects. That'd be the tests and the big projects, a quality product. And like TikTok and Instagram reels are kind of this fodder, you know what I mean? Like this kind of like sawdust and uh, you hope that it like gains traction or uh, if I'm going to complete the metaphor, if it catches flame, you know what I mean? Catches fire. And, uh, you know, so I'll make efforts to do reels and to do TikToks and stuff. 
but I guess it's really just not in me to do it every single day. Even when I really set my mind to it, like I'll just go like a whole day and at the end of the night I'll be like, oh shit, I didn't do that thing. And maybe I needed like another person to do it with me so that it wouldn't just be my big ass head, <laughs> my big ass head talking to a screen again and something that wouldn't gain traction. But yeah, I'm excited for the pilot. The shoot date's coming up. It's stressing me out just a little bit, but we've done enough pre-production, pre-work so that I'm not scared shitless, I guess, at least not right now. And uh, now I'm at the point where I'm putting little odds and ends. I'm, I'm actually rewriting part of the script, which that part stresses me out a little bit because I want to have it rewritten and second drafted in time to send out to my, my scene partner because it's the part of the script that I'm in. And just reading it and reading it, I'm kind of like, all right, I mean, it's all right, but it's not great. And I really, we're really sinking so much time and money and effort into this thing that I really, if at all possible, I would love it to be great, not good, you know? And I think people who have read it, including my fiance, who's really just a very honest critic, you know, she'll let me know if I've had a shitty show. She'll let me know what's wrong with my stage presence. She fucking does not hold punches, you know? And she said, she's like, there's no reason to change the script. It's good. It's a good script. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me, I guess. And uh, so last Monday, I went over it with my scene partner, who I've also told, I'm like, look, I'm not just looking for a scene partner. I want a comedian to play opposite with me in these scenes because I'm also looking for kind of a co-writer. And so I want to be able to write for that person, uh, essentially, for you, for her, whatever. And so we went over it. And she kind of told me the things that she liked and didn't like. And we went over it for like a few hours for like a good amount of time. And so just like with all of that in mind, I'm sort of redoing it. But there's all the rest of life. So I'm really only able to dedicate like a couple of hours a day maybe to it. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the writing process, but it's a lot of fucking just sitting and staring. You're sitting and staring and like working out scenarios in your mind, little dialogues, whatever. And... uh it's coming along, man. It's coming along. Couple weeks. Uh, we're going to be having our actual shoot date. So we're getting to the point now where uh, I'm putting odd, odds and ends on it to make it just like a little bit better, a little bit better within range, not making it something that's unapproachable, but just as good as we can do with the time we have and the resources we have. And I'm getting extras. I want, I'm looking for extras. If you're listening to this and you'd like to be an extra, let me know. The shoot dates are the uh first second and fourth so of april so if you you hear this in time and you want to be an extra and especially if you're a comic and especially if you're easy on the eyes you know what i'm saying but especially if you're a comic excuse me pardon me um that was a little burpy uh yeah if you'd like to be uh just an extra then uh then let me know i've got some featured extras and uh they all say that they you know they're down for the project I don't think 100% of them know exactly what the pilot is, but they're not going to be implicated in any of the porn aspects of it. They're all just kind of like kind of adding just little just little jokes here and there. I just want there to be like enough to keep the brain busy so that if you watch it two times, you're going to catch jokes that maybe you didn't catch the first time. But the first time I also definitely want you to notice certain like Plenty of jokes, plenty of dynamics, just stuff to keep your eyes and brain busy and entertained, you know? 
But I don't, the part I don't like about getting extras is because I, I want, I have to, I feel like I have to schedule too many because I know some people are going to drop out. That's just a regular thing that happens. And every single person that I want to be in it, I have to explain what it is. And I don't like doing that. I don't like doing that because I don't like, I feel like the, I'm very excited about this thing. And I, I don't like to talk about things I'm excited about before they happen. It's a really big thing of mine. And I think, I think a lot of people feel that way now too. It's kind of this metaphysics thing where you don't want to drain the energy of a thing before it's had the chance to play itself out. So that's where we are with that. Uh, I'm really excited about it, but anything you're excited about, you're also kind of all, uh, like if you're really excited, you're also kind of a little fucking scared, probably. You know what I mean? You have a date with someone who's like maybe out of your league, you're super excited, but you're like also, uh, I hope I don't fuck this up. And you have to you have to skirt the line between uh, uh, use that fear to be as good as you can, but also don't allow the fear to become a self fulfilling prophecy. Anyway, I, I don't think we're there. Uh, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about it, and uh, we're we're just kind of like keeping the ship steady. Hold on, I'm gonna take a big uh, sip of my water, and then I'm gonna get into some deep subjects, deep subjects, baby, stuff that maybe bum you out. Or, or just make you think about, like, how can I make the world around me a better place? Or make you think, like, why does Gino talk so fucking much? Or something like that. Hold on, I'm going to take some of my water. <sighs> I had to block someone earlier this week. It was fucking annoying. Uh, it sucks, too, because I don't have very many what you may call fans, just people that follow me and pay attention to my stuff who also aren't comics. Uh, and uh, I don't know why, like, I, I'm, I kind of attract crazy people. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's just a lot of crazy people in the world. I don't know. I think I have a strain of anti-crazy in me because just in my life, in my personal life, I notice that there's plenty of crazy people that when they're around me just feel more calm. And I don't know what that comes from. Maybe because I've seen it so much in my life that I kind of understand how to be around it. And just uh, and I'm not really scared of that aspect of people. Like, I kind of understand what about a person is dangerous. And for me, the most dangerous things about a person are insecurity, boredom, fear. And those things are so related insecurity boredom and fear i think those are man's greatest enemies those are potential world killers in in the realm of in like being human and being like a cognitive sentient being and once you experience those things uh you can kind of like manipulate power you know what i mean because you get this sort of survival instinct which makes you be able to be successful but you also do terrible things with it, you know, or you can, you're capable of it. So those are the type of people that I watch out for. And so this one motherfucker, he, he just wanted to be on the podcast. I mean, he's a cool enough guy. I mean, I guess we like, I don't want to say we knew each other in high school. Like I kind of remember having a conversation in the wrestling room and he stuck out in my brain. And then I saw later in life, he had basically severe bipolar disorder and he would just kind of have these manic episodes online in front of everybody involving everybody. 
And so I guess he, he was just, he wanted to be on the podcast. And uh, I kind of halfway, I wanted him to be on the podcast and I wanted to talk to him. But there were a couple things that really put me off. Number one, I think I mentioned last week, just like <laughs> the learning curve of the Anchor app. Like I've already tried to do a phone podcast before and for some reason it didn't work. So I hate learning stuff on the job. Uh, but also he was very obsessed with what generation we come from. And I always, I never want to date myself because I, I really feel like there's a really strange dynamic in the world and in events where if you're part of something, it like precludes you from talking about it. I don't know if you know what I mean, but if you're like, um, like you never hear ex-prisoners talking about the prison system, you know, you only hear middle-class people from the suburbs talking about the prison system. They don't understand dick about the prison system. When I hear people talk about the incarceration system, the correctional facility system, uh, I mean, you can tell that they've never come within miles of it, but they, they're so confident about everything they have to say about it, but you're not going to hear sheriffs talk about it. You're not going to hear ex prisoners talk about it. And if you do hear them talk about it, they're kind of like, like nobody would listen to them because they're criminals and everything they will say forever has been completely, um, discredited before they ever get a chance to say it, you know? Of course you would say that or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, same thing with, let's say, like teachers unions. You never hear teachers talk about teachers unions. You only hear, like I hear my mother-in-law talk about teachers unions. Like what the fuck would she know about a teachers union? I asked my mom about teachers unions. My mom was a school teacher for a very long time. And what she finished with was, I don't want to get in the way. These people are crazy. <laughs> like... On, on every side of it, there's just business, and business means money, and money means people will fucking end you for talking about a thing, and it becomes scary. So, uh, I'm very, I want to say I'm very pro-union, but it sucks that uh, the union has to be, like, its own bad guy to fight other bad guys. So it's kind of like you need a villain on your side instead of a hero. It's kind of like that dynamic, you know? It's kind of like, uh, you need to be friends with the lion, but the lion also wants to eat you. <laughs> it's a little bit like that. Actually, the dynamic with unions is this. This is what I understand it to be. The union is a very useful thing, but the union constantly, when it's not fighting real battles, needs to invent reasons to exist. And I feel like it's the same thing with politicians, and it's the same thing with, uh publicly traded like corporations and that's why they're always making these kind of like arbitrary decisions that's why the buttons on your instagram are always changing place because it's a publicly traded like uh it's public it's a, it's publicly traded and so they constantly just need to show stockholders that they did things this quarter to keep it fresh or whatever and uh so they'll just do shit. They'll just, because Instagram is fine, whatever the way it exists, it really doesn't need like a whole lot of changes and they'll just like change the configuration or now they have these little like MySpace type captions next to your name. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about anyway. So I had to block the motherfucker. He started, uh, <laughs> that's what I was talking about. Do you remember? I was talking about the guy I blocked and, uh, how he's bored. And uh, maybe scared. He says he's Catholic and he swears that I'm Catholic. And I, I told, I, it was hard to explain to him. I'm like, Catholic is not an ethnicity. Like I was raised Catholic and I don't believe in the faith anymore. And he's like, you're Catholic. And I'm like, I'm not dude. I'm not Catholic. I'm, 
I'm not an atheist either. I'm just Gino. I'm just a guy who believes what I believe. And I don't, I don't want to bore you with the ins and outs of my belief system or whatever, you know, like it's important to me. And, uh, it's basically, ba if the part of my belief system that affects you is, uh, don't be a dick. That's a big part of my belief system. It's a humongous part of my belief system. Don't be a dick. The other side of that is if you're a dick to me, all bets are off. I get to do whatever I want to you. So I don't want to be a dick and I will do everything in my power not to be a dick. If you're a dick to me, then I get to be a dick to you. And that's why we just don't want to uh, start the dickhead contest because you don't want to win that contest. It's a horrible, horrible contest to win. And anytime I win it, I feel like a terrible person and everyone's looking at me like I'm a dickhead because I am. And uh, so eventually I just had to tell this guy, I'm like, you're becoming a time burglar. Uh, you, I stayed up way too late last night texting with you. I don't know why. I don't know why I just get sucked into that shit. Just we do online. And we weren't even arguing. He was trying to start an argument with me. And I was just like, that's fine that you believe it. You believe in I, what I believe. And he's like, you're trying to come up with excuses. I'm like, I'm not coming up with any excuses. I don't believe I need any excuses. I am just me and I respect people. And I like to think that they respect me back. And he's like, you're Catholic. I'm like, I'm not Catholic. He's like, you like abortion. And then I, I threw him a joke because he's, he's said that he loves my podcast, but he absolutely does not like my comedy, which is okay, fine, whatever, you know? And then he's like, your comedy's horrendous. I'm like, okay. And then I posted something that I think is funny from some other comedians. And he's like, how is this funny? I'm like, you know what? I think maybe you just don't like comedy because the, the, this is a roast battle and these roasts are amazing, you know? It wasn't me, it was somebody else that I posted. Anyway, so at some point I just had to tell him, dude, you're, you're becoming a time burglar and that's, that's really highly unforgivable. And then he's like, because I told him to get a hobby and he's like, I'm trying to see how many people will block me. That's my new hobby. And then so I blocked him. That was the very next thing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, you got another one. That's fine. I don't need this fucking in my life, you know? I'm like, you're definitely not getting on the podcast. I don't know what the fuck to tell you, dude. Uh, you need some therapy. That's all. Just, uh, get some, get some therapy, maybe some medication. I don't know. I'm not a big believer in medication, but maybe some people need it. Uh, but you know, what kind of stuck with me is how he started telling me, I believe that all the things he believes are wrong with him. I think he started putting those things on me because he kept on telling me I'm Catholic. He kept on telling me I'm looking for excuses for my behavior. And I'm like, no, I don't, I'm not Catholic and I don't ever look for excuses for my behavior. I think my behavior is most of the time very justified. Uh, even if you don't agree with it, you can understand where I'm coming from most of the time, I believe. And uh, I, no I just noticed that in life, people like to put People believe that their experience is everybody else's experience. That's kind of a constant that I see. And I see that with comics. Comics on stage, they kind of want to speak for... Like, male comics want to speak for all males. Female comics want to speak for all females. And it's like, dude, we're people. Like, everybody's... Like, we're all the same but different, you know? Like, we all got the same stuff going on, but coming at it from a different angle, you know, with a different set of emotional baggage. Uh, with a different set of, you know, phenotypic <laughs> expression. You know what I mean? Um, I guess uh, what I want to correlate that to is uh, last night I was just hanging out with some comics. 
And um, I don't know how to say this, but I, I don't know. I think sometimes I have to dumb it down a little bit when I'm talking. Or at least leave some details out, right? Because I have to understand that people are going to hear what I say and kind of do their own thing with it. And they're going to attach their own stuff, like I said, their own emotional baggage, you know, their own life experience. They're going to attach it to whatever I'm saying, which is sometimes what I'm saying because we're just saying it and we're not doing it. Uh, I'm kind of saying it out of like a vacuum. You know what I'm saying? Like in an idealist, an idealized world, right? Something like that. And I don't know how we got on the subject of like abortion or whatever. And I think a friend of mine, he just, he had a kid semi-recently, like a year or two ago. And everything he thinks about is through that lens now. And he's like, your life changes. I'm like, some people's life changes. Some people's life doesn't change. If you're a good parent, your life changes. Yeah. And you look at things differently. But even the way you look at things differently, it's not going to be the same necessarily as the next person, you know? And so this is what he said. Because out of nowhere, he's like, uh, yeah, women like to kill babies. And he's not really like necessarily like a hard right-wing guy, but I think he's... I Because he's a comic, I can't tell if he just like wanted to be kind of a dickhead in the conversation or he's really trying to wrap his brain around this concept of abortion you know i I don't know and i'm I'm not about to go deep with him but he he just kind of put that out there yeah women like to kill babies that's what he said and uh he said you know after you have a kid your entire perspective changes if i had an affair and that woman got pregnant i would still make her keep it and the thing is he's talking to a woman who's had two abortions after she had her first kid so right away everything he's saying is going out the window She's like, no, I had a kid when I was 20 and I had two abortions after that. One of them was a month later and then the other one was you know, a couple of years ago. And I'm just like, how can you so confidently just put your experience on everybody else? It's, so, it's such a strange thing. It's such a strange thing to me that everybody, you see the world around you and you see how you disagree so vehemently with people right next to you and who you even love and you can still somewhere just in your monkey mind believe that well if everybody experienced what i experienced they would be doing the exact same thing not even everything just like the one thing right he's not like he's not thinking like if everybody grew up in maine as a heterosexual white male and moved to la to become a comedian you know, he's not even thinking like that. He's just like, anybody who has a kid thinks this way. And I'm like, no, nah, man. How do you think kids get put up for adoption? How do you think... I don't know, there's a whole... It's a whole big, wide world out there. You know what I'm saying? And you you have to... I don't know. I mean, you don't have to You don't have to do anything, you know? But it, uh, it behooves you, it behoo- behooves everybody to ask more questions, actual questions... Because there are people out there who ask questions and it's like a hypothetical, it's, not, it's like a rhetorical question. Like, like, who the fuck is that? That's not a real question. You know what I mean? But like actually ask inquisitive questions, you know, to just better understand the situation. And if you're a comic, that'll make you a better comic to understand where people are coming from. To make your stuff as relatable as possible will make you such a better comic. Usually, and I'm, I'm not like, 
I can kill a room. I can, I can kill a room, you know, when I set my mind to it and I do the prep and shit, I, I can really like, I can really fuck up a room, you know, in a good way. Um, but I mean, I'm still like five years into it. You know, I'm not, I'm not any, I'm not a fucking Dave Chappelle. I'm not even a fucking Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? I'm just a guy who can make people laugh and kind of understands this formula of relatability and vocal cadence. Hold on. I'm gonna take another sip of my water. And there'll come a point, excuse me, and there will come a point when I'm rounding out a bit, when I'm proud of, I'm proud of a a set that I'm doing and I'll take it to crowd work. And so instead of just saying a thing, I'll kind of pose a question to the audience and just see what the the reaction I get. Sometimes people don't want to participate, but sometimes you get some yes and sometimes you get some no's and, and you don't have to go deep into it, but just dig a little bit, you know, like, um. I, I was trying to see if I'm such a big dickhead for for laughing anytime a little kid eats shit. Have you ever seen like a little four year old, five year old? They're really close to the ground, so it's not a long fall. But you just they're so cute, and then they they fucking face plant in the ground, and they're all right. But it's it's sad and cute and funny. Excuse me. So I had I had this set that I was doing on that subject, and uh, I accidentally I, I accidentally punched a small child in the head completely on accident completely on accident i mean they're just kids are fist height you know what i mean like you don't know you don't see them you're not looking for them anyway and so at some point i started asking audiences i'm like you ever you you anyone here have children anywhere have kids you ever do you ever have to hold in a laugh when they eat shit and they're like yeah 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 it's the funniest cutest thing i'm like okay okay and that's just a little check-in it's a little check-in it brings in the audience but it also makes it so much more relatable. And I'll, I'll get on that too. Like when I'm thinking about a set that I want to do and I haven't done yet, you know, if it's, if it's a brand new thought and I'm thinking of bringing it to the stage, I'll ask people around me like, Hey, do, what do you think of this? You know? And if it makes them laugh, then I'm like, all right, all right, then that's cool. You know, you should, add, especially, I'm just saying like in life, it'll make life better for everybody, for everybody. If you just like ask a couple of questions before you assume things, and I notice the biggest assumers are the dumbest people. And so you really have to be careful with that. And that's, <clears throat> I'm really quiet around dumb people. I'm really quiet around dumb people because they are the ones who are going to confidently assume something about what I'm saying that isn't what I meant at all. And so the way the exchange ended last night was, uh, I'm like, you know, we were kind of getting on the subject of, you know, maybe teen pregnancy is actually the way to go. And I said, yeah, it seems to me that like, you know, if you have grandparents in the house that, and you have a teen pregnancy, then like the grandparents can actually help and put training wheels on raising the child. And, th- and then the girl got really upset because she was putting her own life experience on it. And she's like, Gino, you're talking about a family. Okay, some people don't have families. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm just talking about ideally because we always, we always kind of, we always talk down on teen pregnancy and it makes sense. But also, I'm thinking biologically, that's when your body is just fucking full of hormones. And maybe we're meant to have kids when we're younger and then you kind of recover faster. And still have a long, fruitful life with kids that are more highly functional. 
because my cousin was a teen preg my cousin had a teen pregnancy and uh her her kid is uh shit going to med school you know she's doing it's funny because my my cousins like the my boy cousin is he's like not worth anything he's not doing shit but he's fine whatever i guess i don't know i don't know too much about him but my female cousin she had a baby when she was she was 16 and so my uncle uh that that's that was the dynamic in their life and i see that around me and it's funny because one of the people i was talking to is like oh you mean mexicans i'm like well catholics whatever and i just see that that model seemed to work for them that that generation that she raised that my cousin raised with her teen pregnancy i mean they just seem to be doing really great because they had not just one set of parents but like they had a couple sets of parents you know two or three who were helping out and uh kind of picking up the slack whenever uh, my cousin needed to go to school or go to work or anything like that there was a whole functioning household and i'm like yeah yeah that's what i'm talking about i'm talking about a family and i'm sorry if you didn't experience a family <laughs> and i wasn't talking about you specifically i guess what i wanted to tell her but she seemed really upset and she kind of walked away from me and uh and i felt bad about that but i mean I definitely didn't mean any harm or anything like that. But that that does seem uh, like a model. I've thought of that for like for like my family. Like w I hope I have kids soon. I really want to have them. And my fiance wants to have them too. And I've thought of that. I'm like, well, you know, if my kids get a teen pregnancy, then maybe I won't be so quick to tell them, "Hey, take care of it," you know? Maybe I'll like really ask and like, "Do you feel like this is a thing you want to do?" because we're here to help you, you know. And maybe it's better for you if you have a closer generational relationship with your kid too. I think that's another thing. If you're only, if you're no more than 20 years older than your kid, you're you're going to have more in common with them. You're going to be able to understand the generational gap. It's not going to be so huge like between me and my parents, right? My dad's like 50 years older than me. It's fucking crazy. And uh and he's had to come a long way to just understand the humanity the human experience right because he was kind of stuck in this generational gap this cultural generational gap that was not only not only time-wise cultural generational but also he came from a different country which kind of sets him even 50 years further back so he was kind of like 100 years behind the time you know especially when it comes to dealing with you know things like sex or how hard your kids need to be working because he was like working when he was nine years old. He like ran a little shoe cobbling business. If you even fucking know what shoe cobbling is, it's kind of like a really old school, old timey term. It's like from the 19th century and only rich people and fucking uh, rich people in small towns in like Vienna understand that shit. Anyway, uh, I'm coming on 40 minutes and actually uh, I there was one other major thing I wanted to talk about. If you're still listening, thank you. I thank you for holding on. I thank you for paying attention. Uh, I put a lot of thought in these, you know, in these podcasts. And I promise I have a guest scheduled for this Sunday. My good friend Mike Kim, fellow comedian. He's hilarious. He has his own podcast. I forget exactly what it's called at the moment, but I'll definitely mention it when he's on. I'm supposed to be... Pardon me. I'm supposed to speak to him. We're supposed to hang out this Sunday. And I told him, try to think of something that he enjoys doing because that's what I like to do on the podcast is I like to take my guests around and hang out 
and do something that they like to do and just really make it a hang. And if we talk about anything important, cool, but it should be fun and enjoyable for the guests. That's really what I want. I also work later that night, so it has to be earlier. Uh, let me just paint a picture for you right now. It's a beautiful day. I'm staring out my window, the window of my tenement apartment, the third floor, staring out at these kind of dewy trees. It's rained today. It rained pretty heavy, and now it's just kind of cloudy, hazy, with a breeze blowing through the leaves. It's really gorgeous. Different shades of green. Oh, I can't wait to get out there. I have to go pick up my girlfriend. I have to go pick up my Ray Ray. In about uh, half an hour. Yeah, something like that. Close to half an hour, uh, like 45 minutes. So, <clears throat> I, I want to get a little serious here. Um, I guess not too serious. But, you know, I, I, like to wa- I don't like to talk about it too much, but I like to watch Joe Rogan. And I've gotten into Russell Brand. And both of them, it's a very strange thing that I think kind of started with Jon Stewart where comedians, in fact, you know what? I'm going to go back all the way to Lenny Bruce. If I'm thinking about it, if you know who, if you don't know who Lenny Bruce is, look him up. If you're a comedian, if you're not a comedian and you don't know who Lenny Bruce is, look him up. I have a fantastic book that my girlfriend got me. I think it was like last Christmas, not this last one, but the one before. And it's the almost unpublished Lenny Bruce. And it was, I already followed him. I already loved him. And it was so eye-opening. It was so eye-opening on so many levels. And somewhere along the way, the comedians became the real truth tellers. It's very strange. It's very strange. And what's funny about that is uh, up until very recently, you weren't supposed to take a comedian seriously, no matter what he said, no matter what he talked about no matter how true, no matter how relatable what he was saying was, you're not supposed to take him seriously. He's a clown. He's a comedian. And uh, I think it really started with Jon Stewart. Jon Stewart took over The Daily Show in like, fuck, I don't know, the late 90s, early 2000s, something like that. And it was during the time of George W. Bush. This is how I, I, I didn't watch at the time, clearly, obviously. Uh, even if I had... I didn't grow up with cable. I didn't have, I didn't even, I didn't get Comedy Central until like 2016. You know what I mean? Like I grew up without cable because my parents are immigrants and uh, I don't know, they're cheap. And my dad is 120 years old or something like that. Anyway, so uh, Jon Stewart took over The Daily Show and he, he was just, he's just this profound truth seeker, you know? And he's back doing a show now. He's, it's called The Problem. I actually don't like the title. It's called The Problem with Jon Stewart. And it really, when I first saw it, I thought they were saying that Jon Stewart was problematic. And I didn't understand that it was just the name of his show. Excuse me. Take another sip of my water. I'm kind of feeling, I'm kind of feeling the drag of my own voice here. So I'm not going to talk very much longer. But I do want to, I do want to broach on this subject because it's really important to me. So I don't want to talk too much about Jon Stewart, but it just seems like he set a new precedent for just there's a lot of comedians doing news now. And it's very, very strange. And I love what John Oliver does, but John Oliver seems to be kind of part of some machine, you know, and he's got James Carville on his team 
And I used to love what Steve, uh, Steve uh, Colbert used to do on the Colbert Report. But now on his show, he really also seems like very much part of some larger machine. You know, he's always really just speaking to one side and ignoring another side and talking shit and just kind of being really just kind of an ass. But Joe Rogan, I know people hate him and I think that's on purpose. You know, they'll kind of like, they'll kind of slander his name. And I think it's because he talks about some important shit and not all the time. He doesn't always talk about important shit. Sometimes he just talks a bunch of shit with some other comedians. It's, he just has a conversation, but he's just a regular, it seems like he's just a regular guy who wants to know shit. He's just a regular curious guy. And that's fine. You know what I mean? Like I don't put him on a pedestal or anything, but he's got a big platform. And so his voice is heard a lot. And what he'll do sometimes is these real-time investigations. And now he doesn't call it an investigation. He'll just kind of wonder about something. And he's got his producer, Jamie, right next to him. And he'll say, like, hey, can you Google that? Hey, can you look that up? Hey, can you see if you can bring an article of that up? And so in real time, he'll just kind of, like, get to the bottom of something. Not be, He won't be, like, investigative reporting or anything like that. But just in real time, he'll just kind of, like, demystify something real fast. And he'll be like, oh, okay, you know. And uh, another guy who does that, but he's actually a little more... Russell Brand is more, like, political bent, right? But not even bent, right? He's trying to be political straight, is what it seems like. Or politically bisexual? I don't fucking know. But it was really weird because, uh, okay, so we all know about the Capitol riots, right? And uh, even as someone who considers himself a liberal... um, It's just a very strange thing that happened... I I believe other people have tried to break in the Capitol and have been shot, you know, like it's, it's been, it's, it seems like these people were allowed to run amok in the Capitol, right? Especially on a day like inauguration day, you would think that security would just be beefed the fuck up. But on this day, it seems like they were allowed to go in the Capitol. And I really think that these people, these Capitol stormers, they're just stupid fucking people. You know, I just really think, oh, it's raining hard again. Oh, I love that so much. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. This is, I love getting high in the rain so much. Anytime it rains, I have to actively tell myself not to get high. (laughs) And I'm like, don't worry, it'll rain other days. You can get high on another day that it's raining. It was sprinkling on Sunday when I got high. So I, I got my fix. I was out there hanging out with people, being high in the rain in a tent. It was the whole experience. Anyway, so I'm back on Joe Rogan and Russell Brand. I guess I I just want to, I guess I just want to say what a fucking sad state it is. When I have to rely on comedians instead of the actual news for my information. I mean, if I want to just not do a research fucking project every day, you know what I mean? Like, so uh, the Capitol Stormers, right? I I believe that they were just some kind of fucking stupid people. They're just some stupid, ignorant, fucking redneck, fucking cousin fucking, you know what I mean? Whatever you want to say about them. They are that. But, uh, I mean, they couldn't do anything. What are they going to do? Take over the country? How? Like, you don't just get to the Capitol and people are all like, well, you're the president now. That's not how it works, you know? They were just, they're kind of these political shills uh, meant to not even like, just divide us, you know? Just another thing to argue about, just another big, I feel like that's, uh, the, the Capitol riot is to Democrats what Benghazi was to Republicans, right? It was like a bad thing but completely blown out of proportion. And on Benghazi, by the way, even Tucker Carlson himself last year said, yeah, Benghazi wasn't anything. There's no reason we should have talked about it for so long. And I, 
quote unquote apologize. That's what he said. And we'll never do that again, which they definitely will do that again. But that's what I feel like. I feel like the capital riots, quote unquote riots, uh, are to the Democrats what Benghazi was to the Republicans. It's just this thing that they'll never stop talking about is blown out of proportion. It has nothing to do with the real problems facing the country, except it does because it just says how loud, stupid people can create an incident when they're led by a fucking loud, stupid megalomaniac like Donald Trump. (laughs) Sorry, I hate that motherfucker, but you know. It's just because he's stupid. Um, so anyway, uh, on, uh, on, the, uh, on the Joe Rogan podcast, they kind of were just going over footage. They were just kind of going over footage and the different kinds of footage. And they're like, okay, well, it seems like part of the Capitol riots was like actual rioting and people fucking shit up. But you can also see plenty of this footage where they're being like led through by police and just like chilling, just hanging out. They're really very much on a museum tour, you know? And so, like, there was pandemonium, but there was also... It's just a bunch of rednecks that wanted to be in the Capitol, and they don't know what the fuck they're doing. And that, that's the bottom of it. And it, it's, it sucks that, like, you go to Fox, and Fox is like, nothing really even happened that day. Because the first thing that Fox said, I want to remind you, if you're a conservative listening to this podcast, the first thing that Fox said was, it wasn't even conservatives in the building that day. It was uh, Antifa. Antifa and uh paid crisis actors uh posed as conservatives entering the capital that was the first narrative that fox news so for fox news to take a full stance on this new thing like they're just really preying on the stupidity and amnesia of their own fucking audience because it's one or the other it can't be both you know or if it is both then a bunch of antifa people quietly went through the capital and didn't do anything at all it became real when actual conservatives began to be arrested and get prison time for going into the Capitol. That, that's what happened. But, you know, we have to rely on someone like Joe Rogan, on someone like Russell Brand to just kind of say, hey, everybody's like the, the, both, the both sides narrative. They're lying to you. The both sides narrative. There's more than two sides. Life is not a coin. There are two sides to a coin, but life is not a coin. Life is multifaceted. Life has all these ins and outs and angles and nuances and shit, man. And you got to take some fucking responsibility. You got to take some initiative, man. Anyway, I guess that's all I wanted to say. I, I, just, I just think it's weird that Joe Rogan is doing like, kind of like, and Russell Brand are doing like real-time investigating. Russell Brand will actually like dig in and actually do the research project and bring up like documents uh, that people and memos that people wrote each other. And he's a good guy. Like, if you just really want to get in the mindset of, like, Democrats and Republicans are both lying to me. And I need to understand what's important about my water quality. That's where I always, I'm like, let's start with water quality, all right? The QAnon shaman isn't going to do anything about your water quality. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's really important shit. Uh water quality, how much money your city is stealing from you. I follow the voice of OC here in Orange County because they do a lot of investigative stuff. And I've met a couple of the uh, journalists. I used to work with them personally when I worked at the, uh, (coughs) excuse me, the Daily Titan, the college newspaper at Cal State Fullerton. And they do a lot of stuff on the uh, the city council corruption. And uh, it may sound like small potatoes, but those are huge billion dollar contracts, you know, just in a city. 
Huge billion-dollar contracts just in the infrastructure of a city. Can you think of what goes on in a state, in a whole country? There's so much money. There's so much money just kind of locked up and hoarded by this psychotic class of people. And you're out there bickering amongst yourselves over who stormed what, when, and whose desk they took a shit on and shit like that. Anyway, let me think if I can start, if I can finish on a lighter note. Uh, I finished watching the last season of Animaniacs, the third season. And, uh, dude, the third season, even better. <laughs> it was like a really great season. They're coming up with some really awesome creative ideas. It's weird because they had to rehash. I can tell they had to rehash the whole Looney Tunes phenomenon, you know? Like, uh, just this whole, like, cartoon sketch comedy. There's not a whole lot of people doing it, you know? Usually it's something like... Uh, I don't know, like Adventure Time, or I was watching something else called uh, uh, Bee and Puppycat, you know, and it's it's a show with an arc, you know, and it makes you feel certain things. And this is just, Animaniacs is just good old-fashioned Marx Brothers, fucking Three Stooges, uh, sketch comedy, uh, Jack Benny, Looney Tunes, like that type of stuff. And But it's it's really like amped up for, it's definitely meant for me, it's not meant for children, you know. And it's really amped up for, like, the modern age, too. They do some really cool, like, meta shit, you know? Or, like, uh, like they, they'll have, like, the old... I don't know if you know who Lassie was, but it was, like, a dog that would, like, save people and shit like that. And so, <laughs> instead, like, Lassie's out to murder everybody. That's... I don't know. It's just, like, a quick, like, one-minute sketch or whatever. Uh, it's really amazing. And then they, they kind of, they're always so meta, so they finished the last episode on, like, they're still not green-lighted for a fourth season. <laughs> and so they do a whole song about that. It's pretty great. Anyway, watch Animaniacs, uh, and uh, don't listen to your politicians. Those are, the two thi- those are the two things I want you to remember out of this whole podcast, is watch Animaniacs on Hulu, okay? I'm not getting any money for this. And your politicians are lying to you. All of them, not just some of them, all of them, except for Bernie Sanders. I love that motherfucker. And the fact that he doesn't look like a politician and he sounds all goofy and funny, that should make you take him more seriously because he just doesn't even know how to talk like a politician. He's got some kind of fucking autism that just, he's just like, break down the big banks. He's a good guy. He's the only guy in my lifetime who's ever deserved to be president. How did I end up on that one? So watch Animaniacs and, uh, and know that CNN and Fox News are both... You should stop paying attention to them so that they stop making money. That's all. All right, that's all I have to say to you. Uh, I love all of you. I hope you uh, take each other seriously, but don't take yourself seriously at all. And uh, and also, just have fun out there, man. Have fun and fuck lots of people and fuck all the ugly people because they need it and fuck all the attractive people because I think they don't have good kind of sex that i noticed that all the hottest women i've had sex with are kind of like the most boring sex that's all i love you guys peace out till next time